0: Resilient, genuine, passionate.
1: Hi out there, this is Heather Vickery, and you've tuned in to the Brave Files podcast. Welcome. You know, each and every one of us leaves a legacy, even those of us who never actually get to live our lives. And this week, I welcome my friend and fellow coach, Christine McAllister, to the Brave Files. Christine joins us to talk about creating a legacy for her first child a little girl named Maeve, who tragically didn't get to live a single day of her life. And yet, this beautiful soul has inspired an incredible legacy. Through tragedy, Christine discovered the power of living a life free of regrets. It would be nice for all of us if we didn't have to experience such difficult things in order to live a regret-free life. But this conversation helps us really Pinpoint different ways to lead a life that you love, that you feel good about, and be intentional and thoughtful about the legacy you're leaving. There are a ton of poignant moments in this episode, but some of my favorite takeaways are the fact that life can drastically change in a single moment, even for those people whose lives appear to be perfect. Everyone deals with grief and trauma in their own way. And coping in a way that feels authentic to you is the only road to healing. And sometimes the most you can do for the people around you is to live your life for yourself instead of for others. It's not about can you do something, but more about what are you willing to do please join us for this really special episode. But before we get started, oh, folks, I am so over the moon excited to share that we are just about a week away from being able to pre-order my brand new book, Fuck Fearless Making the Brave Leap. If you've been following along on my journey, then you know it's been a labor of love to write and produce this book. I'm grateful and humbled by those who have endorsed the book and all who are helping me get out and spread the word. The book breaks down my patented Brave method, which is an approach to building a life that you love creatively and strategically, to problem solving, planning, all of the wonderful things, including dreaming very big. The book includes a lot of my personal memoir stories, case studies, which I call Brave Spotlights, featuring podcast guests that you may have heard here right on the Brave Files podcast, and also clients who are out living this brave life every single day, and Brave Action sections, which are designed to help you get into action right here and right now. And we just received another exciting endorsement from Tracy DeForge, who is the founder and CEO of Produce Your Podcast. She is a badass in the podcast industry, and I'm so honored to share this review and endorsement with you right now. Tracy said, Heather Vickery gives new meaning to the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway. This book is for you if you are at a jumping off point in a big chapter of your life, or if you simply wanna step out of your comfort zone in a big way. It's all here. Motivation, check. Inspiration, check. And most importantly, it's completely actionable with a fully customizable blueprint, providing a clear path for unlocking a life and a business you love. Read this and then pay it forward to a friend. The world needs more Brave Leaps. Thank you, Tracy, for that beautiful endorsement. Folks, head on over to com slash guide and make sure you're on our mailing list. Not only... We'll go into this link, send you the latest and greatest about my book launch, but you'll also get my quick guide to The Brave Method, which is a perfect stepping stone to all the awesomeness in store for you and the book, and you can get started on The Brave Method right now. Again, that's com slash guide, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. All right, folks, here we go. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Friends, some people make it all look easy. You know those people, right? They always look perfect. Their kids seem perfect. They have amazing careers or businesses. And you think, wow, how did she do that? I want to do that. Well, the truth of the matter is that most of it's perception. And today's guest is here to talk with us about building a life and a business that she loves after coming back from the brink after a huge tragedy. She's going to tell us all about that. And more recently, learning to listen to her inner voice and trust her own tuition to pivot her into where she was most destined to be. So you may wonder, why did I start with, why does this all look perfect? Because Christine McAllister kind of does. That's, that's, you look perfect to me all the time, Christine. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting here with my mouth open in shock. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I know when people go to your socials and they look you up, they're going to be like, what? How did how did this woman get like this? And that's really what I want to talk about today is because you are very honest and very approachable, but it looks like you got all your shit together on the back end. And because we're friends, I know that's not real life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not close. It's a totally not real life. And you have a real life story, personal journey, journey of bravery that I think is unique. Unfortunately, it's not as unique, maybe as we wish it were in the world. Uh, But you, let me clarify something that I wish I knew the answer to right now. And I don't. When did you start your business? This business I
0: started in 2015. I was okay. running another business before this. Prior to
1: this. okay, Like you. Just like me. a Lifetime serial entrepreneur. I yeah. feel that. All right. And so can you share with us, um, the, the, for people who are like, okay, wait, what is she even talking about? Can you share with us the story of your first pregnancy and when that happened in relation to everything you've been building?
0: Yeah, so interestingly enough, it actually was my fourth pregnancy.
1: Oh, wow. Uh,
0: Yeah, I had had three early miscarriages, which was, in the beginning, like, the way that I even found out that I could get pregnant, because I wasn't sure, because I have PCOS. I always had really irregular periods, and it just was a big question mark. And Mm -hmm. I had a miscarriage that kind of started me on this journey of maybe this is something that I I want to pursue for myself. And I started taking fertility drugs and I had two other early miscarriages. And I said, this is too much. I was getting basically menopause symptoms because of the drug that they had chosen for me. I, I didn't know what an ice pick migraine was until I had one. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Anybody who's had and one will know. Really bad. Sounds yeah. Sounds really bad. And hot flashes,
1: too, right? Now I know what those are. Oh, wow. Uh, As somebody who's in perimenopause, I feel all the sympathy for you because it's shitty. I don't oh, know my
0: how else gosh. To call it. it is unreasonable. Yeah. Hormones. <laughs> <sighs> so I went through all that and I was like, I got to take a break. I had to take a break. It's just, it's too much. And then I got pregnant again and I stayed pregnant. And I had a perfect pregnancy and I was very, very sick. I had perinatal depression, which Mm. I didn't know was a thing. Everybody talks about postpartum. Yeah. But my go-getting self, I could not get off the couch. I lost 10 pounds. I was sick 24 hours a day. I was just like a shell of myself. And at the same time, the baby was super healthy and growing and you know, everything was perfect. All the marks until the end of my pregnancy, when I had been told to go sit at home with my feet up and wait to go into labor. And so the car seat was in the car and the nursery was done and the baby showers were over. And I went to one of my last doctor's appointments and they couldn't find the heartbeat on the sonogram. And this is a full-term baby. Like, you're not, you, you don't have to hunt for that, right? And they you know, grabbed somebody else to, to try and make sure it wasn't user error. And then the doctor just looked at me and said, I'm sorry, your baby has passed away. Oh my God. I know. I didn't know that that could happen. Like, I didn't... It was nowhere on the realm of my perception or possibility, right? Like, everybody talks about first trimester, right? Oh, you made it. That's great. Everybody talks about the point at which the baby could survive in the NICU. Oh, you made it. That's great, right? Not this. Mm. And so I then was sent to the hospital to be induced to deliver my daughter. And... I mean, you know, physical shock, emotional shock, trauma—like everything—all wrapped up into this like really condensed time period. And I was sent home the next day. And after
1: delivering, yeah, your stillborn child sent home the next day. Jesus.
0: Yeah, I mean, they said you can stay if you want, but like, you're okay, and you know. Not to go into details, but, like, they didn't have anything to keep her looking like she'd just been born. So right. it was, like, more and more upsetting, right? Mm. And it was the worst snowstorm in the city's history the night that she was born. And so, like, people who... it a hospital is a great place to be in that kind of situation, but, like, somebody had to come pick us up in their four-wheel drive truck to bring us home because... And, and we weren't sure if it was going to get worse, right? So... All these things conspired and they were like, hey, the birth itself was, like, fine. Like, you're able to go home and rest and recover and, you know, not be in a hospital. And so in our shock, right, we just made that call. So then I had to figure out what to do with the rest of my life, right? And I've always Mm -hmm. been, like, a deeply introspective, deeply driven, meaning-making person. And so... I really, and also I was a people pleaser at that time. So I very quickly started thinking, oh my gosh, how are, how are people going to think of me? Like who's, who's going to, um, how am I going to renegotiate all these relationships? Right. Where I had been this certain type of person and now nobody's going to know how to talk to me. I wouldn't have known how to talk to me. And I just wanted to hide out in the grief. And I mean, really, in a lot of my pondering there pretty early on, I I just became aware that, you know, my life up to that point had been, re- like, quote unquote, normal, like, awesome, yeah. awesome, yeah. and privileged yeah. and wonderful and normal. And I didn't have anything to point to, to be like, well, the struggles that I have are because of that thing. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. The struggles that I had were entirely my own which I gave myself shit about if we're being honest, because I couldn't <laughs> point to, oh, I had this, you know, problem, right? Yeah. And so so now it was like, oh, okay, this is either going to you know, send me down a spiral that I never come out of. Or it's going to propel me toward playing bigger and braver. And I just, at that point, in desperation and sheer will, right? I was like, I have got to find a way to turn this into something good. And I really became kind of seized with this realization that, hey, the only way that I can parent my daughter is to do something to create a legacy for her, right? And I really wanted her to be proud of me. And, you know, I have never had a baby. Like I didn't have any frame of reference for that, but I felt it. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to figure out what that looks like. I'm, you know, I've made a lot of decisions like you've talked about so openly, Heather, like I've made a lot of decisions out of fear up to this point. And this happened and like, I can't imagine anything worse. Like, I would much rather have traded places with her and, like, given her a shot, you know? And so I was like, well, if this has happened and I'm still here, like, let's go. Let's figure this out. Yeah.
1: yeah. First of all, I'm I'm so sorry. I mean, we're, we're friends, and I have expressed that before. I just, um, as a mom, I can't imagine we my ex and I had friends who had the exact same thing Mm. unexplainably happen when I was pregnant with my oldest so I did know it could happen I know right these things feel so incomprehensible and like how do we get up and start over and create and decide to try again especially with three losses before what was supposed to be a healthy full-term pregnancy. Was there a moment where you thought, because when you share the story and you say, like, I I, I wanted to honor her. I wanted to create a legacy for her. This is how I was going to parent her, which gave me chills, by the way. Was there a moment where you just thought, well, I'm just going to give up? I'm just going to stop? It's too much? It, yes.
0: I was very conflicted because part of me, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. The, during the pregnancy, because I'm not somebody that I would consider like a natural kid person or a super <laughs> nurturing, like I never wanted to be an elementary school teacher, right? <laughs> like those are the people that I bring into my children's lives to provide that part of, <laughs> of uh, adulthood that, you know, is not in my wiring, right? And there are other caregivers. And I was just so scared that I was gonna do it wrong and I had all these shoulds and judgments about what a good mother was, right? Mm -hmm. And I was already a working mother, which was not what had been modeled for me. So I was already doing that. And or coming up against that. And it was so strange. Like, you know, I got to hold her that night after she was born and I looked down at her and I just had this feeling of like, oh like if if I was having a chance, if I had the chance, like, oh I could do it. Like I could figure it out. And people say that, you know, holding their living children. And I had like, oh, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to be great. Like, I'm going to take great care of you. And I had the same feeling. And so there was a part of me that was like, oh, this just confirmed again that this is something that I want. I wasn't supposed
1: to do this. And then I was. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. And then there was another real part of me that, of course was terrified to get pregnant again, of course was terrified to go through the pregnancies and deal with the PTSD that I now had and, you know, all of the things, but you know, the desire to kind of, I think, fill some empty arms, right? And have that realization come true outweighed the, the fear of, of going through it again. Although looking back, I think I was freaking crazy to put myself through it two more times. Like, and well, I—you
1: had a successful, healthy pregnancy the first time. That had to help a little. Wait, for the to- second,
0: totally, totally. Yes, I mean, I really, really begged my midwife to put me in a coma like multiple times. Like, Just wake me up when it's over. I'm young. I'm healthy. It'll be fine. That's what they right? used to do in yeah. the, the, the 50s mean, and 60s. I mean, the entire pregnancy. Like, mm. I just wanted to check out because wow. it was so, you know, it was so intense. Yeah. And uh, at just waiting, 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 right? And knowing, feeling helpless and, you know, feeling like my body had betrayed me. Um, but, yes, uh, she, she, she politely declined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, here, yeah, here we are. I have two more beautiful girls. They are uh, two and five. And um, now I'm closed for business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. Can you describe the moment you held your first healthy child?
0: Mm. So my aunt, when I was pregnant, uh, was a part of this incredible a uh, passionate gospel uh bible study and with this really dynamic charismatic leader and this woman like prayed and said a prophecy as they were all praying for me that this baby would be born with a smile on her face and she was oh i know and i was So relieved, right? And to see this little baby with a smile on her face. Both my living children were born very quiet, which, of course, given my history, concerned the nurses greatly. And so I didn't get much of a chance before they grabbed her and were doing her, what do we call that, APGAR and all the things. But it was just like, oh, her eyes are open, right? Oh, she's smiling. That was a beautiful moment. And then she, the minute they let her, she just like very aggressively latched onto my breasts and started
1: eating. I was like, okay, healthy baby. Yeah,
0: Here we go. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love that. I remember holding my first daughter for the first time and this feeling that isn't, it isn't exactly explainable. So it was kind of an unfair question for me to ask, but I just was, you know, I, I was curious to hear how it might've been different, but the the big thing that presented itself to me holding this tiny new human was oh now I know why my mother is crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> because like instantly I would th- throw myself or somebody else in front of a bus for this tiny human and that's fucking crazy
0: mm. <laughs> yes oh my gosh that's that's, i love that that.
1: (laughs) right and like okay so that explains all of her craziness Mm. because that it's not normal to like be like i will kill somebody for this person or myself Very antisocial. yes and when (laughs) you said um that as you were, you know, if you could have traded your life for it, yeah. was it, your your first child's name was Maeve, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah for Maeve's. Um I I had hypermesis when I was pregnant with mm-hmm. all four of my kids. So mm-hmm. um, acute morning sickness. And I had it all 40 weeks, <gasps> which is just this really small number of people that get that. I'm just mm-hmm. super special. Mm-hmm. Um and I was in the hospital so many times with the oldest before we figured out what was really going mm-hmm. on that I thought I was dying. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm sure I'm dying. And I remember begging my ex-husband, like, just save her. Mm-hmm. I can die. That's okay. Just save her. And I, so I, I, well, I cannot ever and thankfully understand what you were experiencing. This idea of w- willingness to trade me for her. I mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. Do your daughters know About their sister? Yeah, that's
0: a really good question. We we talked about that a lot because, on one hand, it's you know my husband projected into the future. We had teenagers. One of them saying, "Ah, but Maeve's perfect. She could never do anything wrong because she's an angel, and I have to live in her shadow, right?" Like, snap, older sister, you know, younger sister. Which I'm an older sister, so I have been on the you know. had that reflected to me before by my younger sisters and it's like she's part of our family you know we're we have a little um teddy bear that um that has her birth weight that has come with us like we take her when we do her her birthday celebration we celebrate her birthday every year and uh we i'm redecorating their playroom right now and i'm gonna get three uh, plaques with names on them. And, you know, it's, it's important to me because this is not a grief that's ever going to go away. And it wasn't, it was expected a generation or two ago, because now I know people of, of those ages who had stillborn children. And like, it was like, they were told, you know, they delivered in twilight, like you just said, they were told when they woke up that the baby was gone. They never got to even go to the funeral. Mm. and then they were told it would get better by just getting pregnant again, right? And one of these specific women who I personally know, she now has dementia, and she's addicted to Xanax, and I'm like, you know how much repressed trauma that woman is walking around with, right? I mean, dear God. So it's a loss, right? And so just because the loss is unfathomable and it's so uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that, you know, that... We don't talk about it. It also doesn't mean that a lot of our family and friends think we're crazy and judge us and stuff, but hey, it's our life and it's our family. And so I also want to set an example for other people because, you know, it was real. She was real, right? And uh, yeah, so she has a stocking at Christmas and
1: um, all the things. Wow. Uh, I really admire that you're doing it on your own terms. And it just goes to show... You know, we deal with grief and trauma in very different ways, and there isn't a wrong one, although I tend to agree with you that pretending such things didn't happen is (laughs) very unhealthy, so it could border on being wrong. But, listen, we're all just trying to do our best, right? Yes, totally. We're all trying to live our best life and uh, do what we can for our our family and our clients and our community and our friends. And and what I really admire so much about you, Christine, is that – You're super vulnerable about it, but also incredibly no fucks given, honest and authentic. Like, this is how we're going to do it because this is what works for my family.
0: Ooh, thank you. And that's, I'm one of the many reasons why I love you because (laughs) you have so bravely done the same thing on different subject matters, obviously. But every time we chat, I'm just like, you are so grounded and unapologetic and brave about who you are. And I just (laughs) love it.
1: Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. They're definitely, yeah. I, just, I feel like you get indoctrinated into the no fucks club at the age of 40. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, they're just gone. You're like, you know what? I don't have to actually care so much about what everybody else thinks. I don't have to do what everybody else tells me I to do. And everybody's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. mm I love being in my forties. I, I really, truly. And the the older I get, the more of that I own. And and you're really doing that in a beautiful way. And what a beautiful way to honor Maeve and to hold her space in your family. I'm gonna ask something that's gonna sound so crazy. I'm not religious, and I know that you are, but does she present herself? Does she present herself? Like, do you feel oh, her? Yeah. Do you see her? Or the yeah, yeah, okay. Because so, I definitely believe that energy never dies and that yeah. we stay connected. Yeah. How how do you how do you know when she's present?
0: Well, the first thing is like that's a really interesting you know point about like being religious or not because I was raised in the church. Every time the doors are open, but I got zero answers that were fulfilling after Maeve died. It was
1: yeah, that pretty sense. much
0: like oh, you'll see her in heaven again. And I'm like, okay, so I'm screwed here. Like, I'm screwed, right? And so this sent me on a path of, of, you know, very open exploration that I'm still on where I'm, you know, getting ready to go on a super woo personal, like, solo retreat with all the energy treatments and, you know, all this stuff. So, like, I'm, I'm very open. And I think, you know, that is also open my eyes to be able to see things and not feel like they're creepy.
1: Um, For sure.
0: Like um, I have a nanny who lives with us and she often calls me a witch because, like, (laughs) Ah. (laughs) because, you know, stuff just happens and shows up in the house and whatever. But one of the things that Maeve does to answer your question, she turns on our electronic toys a lot. Mm. And, I mean, to the point where, like, there was one that, that came on on her birthday that didn't stop until the battery died. Like hours and oh hours, God, and, hours and hours, chills
1: up and down.
0: It's so cool. And then <laughs> on on her birthday this year, our our nanny's mother has like a um, uh, seeing dreams, and she had a dream about a little girl with dark hair, like on Maeve's birthday, and she told our nanny about it, and she said the the little uh, little girl had a had a doll, and she was happy, and lots of details, but. When, she saw, when our nanny's mom saw the bear that we have that's waited, she started crying. She was like, that was the, that was the doll in the dream.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: She's showing up in Argentina to our nanny's mother. Mourning doves are also, like, I've had them dive bomb my car before. A couple of them nest right outside my office. Like, I see them all the time. That's probably going to be the tattoo that I get for
1: her. Love that. They're a big one. So, yeah, those are those are a few of the big ones. I'm always so grateful for those. I know that they t- freak some people out. And we've had um, psychics on the show and mm. seers and all of that. Uh, uh, but I'm always so grateful when folks who are not on this plane with us yeah. make their presence known. And it is bizarre to me how we know. Like, you know that's her. It's not... There could be another ghost in your house. It could be somebody who follows you around, but you just, we know who these yeah, people are. Yeah,
0: safe. It's like, thanks, Maeve. It's, it's, yeah. I, I'm glad. Thank you for being here with us.
1: I, I love that. Um, we could keep talking about that for a long time, but I... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really want to explore this idea of of creating a life that's yours, that you're proud of, that you want to claim as a legacy for Maeve. So what did you do differently professionally after you lost her?
0: Well I realized that the online marketing agency that I'd been running for a decade, which had gotten me out of my job and which I had loved and I had done really well with it it wasn't uh, any longer the highest and best use of me. Right. So it was comfortable and I'd been able to get out of my job with it. And I was super grateful for that. And it was time for something else, but I was comfortable enough before that, that I was like, you know, people want to keep paying me. It's all good. Right. And so when Mae died, I, I decided that I was going to figure out what that next level was for me. And for the very, very first time in my life, get some help to do it. I mean, other than therapy, which I'd done a ton of right. And like therapy's awesome. I decided to proactively, um, get some help in the form of a coach. Yes. So a coach opened up this whole world for me, held the space for me to be just a few months, you know, out of this and also see, see the possibility, right. Of like, okay, why are you here? And what do you want to create to honor her? And let's, Find your zone of genius, and it was a group coaching program that I joined first, and um, had a really a, a core within that group of community. Like I know Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs has like the bomb diggity community, right? And so this is what I'm <laughs> yeah. Thinking communities of. matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do.
0: Yeah. They do, and these people walked alongside of me. And one of them, her mom was a NICU nurse, and so she was like able to hold space when all these other people were like, ah, you know, scared of scared of talking about it, whatever. And uh, and so I was able to make some real non-competitive girlfriends in that space, which healed like a lot of a lot of stories for me. And also, I was able to discover that like the stuff that I've been doing all along was really helping people with the the simple strategy and the self belief.
1: To move toward yeah. their
0: goals, right, and and you know the thing that I was most passionate about, so to combine, like, I took those things, and who was I helping? Right, it was like I? wanted to help aspiring and and um, newer at the time entrepreneurs, right, women mm-hmm. who who felt stuck in a job like I had and um, knew they were, you know, meant for more, as as like overused as that is, and so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so I, that's what I started doing about four or five months after Maeve died. And that's, that's where this business came from. And then, you know, every evolution of it since has been a reflection of my growth and my desire to be of, of bigger impact and believe that I could. And, and then you know, of course, to create a greater legacy for her because the bigger the stages and circles that I'm on and in, the more people know about her and, you know, kind of the gift that she gave me out of this.
1: I love that. I think that's beautiful. One of the other things that I have witnessed you do, well, I didn't, I didn't know you when you were pregnant with Maeve, but just in the last several years that I've known you is, um, I think, Would it be fair to say that from that experience, you learned to discover most what you wanted, what was most authentic and intuitive and vulnerable for you so that you could then create intention and action?
0: Yep. I'm still learning that every damn day.
1: Yeah, right? Aren't we all?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's when I finally stopped going, I'm going to live my life for everybody else and, you know, figure out what I'm here to do and do it.
1: Yeah. And you do that. So just in the last gosh, what? 6 8 months mm-hmm. your business is pivoting again and I think this is really such a fun story. So you've been a, a coach and yeah. I love your your bio says so my superpower is uncovering who you really are and that's mm-hmm. so cool and and I don't often hear a lot of other coaches use the term superpower, but whenever Mm -hmm. I do workshops, we start with what's your superpower and helping people uncover that. So I love that you say that and that we're, we have serendipity there. Um, So you've been coaching and now you're pivoting into something that you sort of accidentally stumbled on, which is, I want, it's, I want to say podcasting, but that's not really what it is. I'm gonna let you explain it, but then let's talk about how that became clear, how you got into it and how it became clear to you and and what your mission is with this new version of your business.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I'm still, I'm still refining how to tie all the pieces together. Right. But what, what happened was five years ago, I started proactively going on other people's podcasts as a form of meeting amazing people and having amazing conversations because I just genuinely enjoyed it. And then I looked up and I realized that people were becoming clients because of those appearances. Mm -hmm. And so I went at it with more gusto because, hey, if it's something that's really fun, I'm going to do anyway. And I could get clients from it. Like, well, that's the perfect mix, right? And then a couple of years ago, some of our, our colleagues asked me to teach it and i said oh yeah yeah i'll teach it cuz i just want to give and like go and win with this and some of the bigger names in our industry came and i was nervous which i'm normally not because i love to <laughs> perform right and i was like my audience doesn't want this they don't think they're ready i'm a business coach you know for newer newer entrepreneurs and over the last over the next year i got more and more asks to teach it my high-end mastermind that I was a part of bought my training for their curriculum. And then these people that I was surrounding myself with who were multiple six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs, they were like, we love this and we don't have time or team to do it. Will you do it for us? And I was like, no, I'm not an agency. I'm out of done for you. I'm a business coach, right? And then I started getting some really big endorsements, like in the podcasting space, John Lee Dumas. Mm -hmm. And... You know, enough people and enough energy and all of this, like, hit me over the head to the point where it was like, Christine, you have more interest in this than anything else that you've done in 16 years of being in business. Wow. Do you think you could figure – do you think this is a thing? Do you think you could figure this out? Are you willing to? Right? And frankly, the conversation I love that. that
1: Are you willing to? Are you you willing willing to figure it out?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I had back, like, unexplained back pain for, like, two months. And I was like, oh, hi, sacral chakra, fear, talking to me. <laughs> um, and the minute that My I energy finally,
1: healer clients and listeners are going to love that.
0: <laughs> yes. The minute I announced it, it went away. I mean, it was the most bizarre thing, but...
1: but That's so cool.
0: I, uh, the thing is, like, the reason that I was holding back is because I understand deeply the transformational value that I bring as a business coach and that like, I am here to change people's lives, not just give them business strategy. Right. And I needed to work through how I could do that for my podcast guesting clients as well so that I could kind of get my soul on board because that's how I have Hmm. to do business. Otherwise I couldn't care less. Right. And so in working through that process for myself of, like, not only do I get to elevate these people doing amazing things and can be really picky about who I choose to take on, but I can really solve a problem for them and I can solve a problem for their people and matchmake and, like, have an even greater impact and, you know, all of the – a lot of the things that I do just as a person. So that, like, having had that conversation with myself in my head, then I was like, okay, Now let's, now let's do the uncomfortable thing of, of doing something new.
1: I love that. And I, I so love that process that you took us through and like, how do we get real with ourselves? How do we know if we can and then if we're willing, because it's, Mm -hmm. sometimes we can't, sometimes it's just that, no, I can't, I can't do that. Usually though, it's a choice. Do I want this? I always say, my own coach used to say, there's no such thing as I don't know how to. When your want to is cranked up high enough, you figure out how to. Ooh, yes. I love that, right? But it's really about that moment where you get super honest with yourself and say, do I want to? Mm. Am I willing?
0: Yeah.
1: And you've done that over and over again. You did that every time you chose to get pregnant again. You did it when you chose to have another baby after losing Maeve and then another one and um, really bring it forward in all the ways in your life. I think even in the way that you you honor Maeve and keep her alive in your family is that same thing. Am I willing to do this? Mm. Am I willing? Because it's maybe unhealthy to hide from all of it, but it's easier. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: I'm much more comfortable, you know, swanning around than like... Ugly crying on the floor, you know, on her birthday, and having people wonder what's wrong, right? Like whatever, yeah. you know. It's it's way yeah. easier to, like you said, put on the the perception of 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 everything's all cool, and you know, there's yeah. tons of duct tape back here, but you don't have to see it, right? <laughs> you don't
1: have to see my duct tape, <laughs> uh, I just think that it it really is such an opportunity for listeners and for others to see. Um, let me ask you this. This is what I I think this is the message I really want them to to resonate with is, why is it worth it? Mm-hmm. If it's so much harder, why is it worth it?
0: Well, I think it's a matter of priority. So... What I'm thinking about now is when you said, you know, your first daughter was born and you were like, I would throw myself or anyone else in front of a bus. (laughs) I can remember that like mama bear feeling come out when another toddler, like one of my friend's kids threw something at my now five-year-old when she was just a baby and the mom didn't scold her for it. Oh, hell no. And I was like, I will literally pick both of you up the toddler and the mother, and throw you into the wall. And I was like, (laughs) where did that come from? I mean, it was like rage instinct. And like, okay, Christine, you're a rational human being capable of impulse control, right? (laughs) Don't throttle your neighbor. It's not good for anyone. Uh, but, But I think it's like, would I, in the case of Maeve, which would I rather? Would I rather freaking care about, you know, what, what my family member thinks if I bring this bear to holidays. Or would I rather go, nobody else knows, except the people who are in that room, right? Mm. What that was like, and none of you know, I think this is where I ground myself a lot. None of you all know what it's like to deliver and hold A dead baby. You don't. Right. And I can be as crazy as I want. And if you think this is crazy, you just haven't done your own work. Right. Like I could show Mm. you crazy. Right. Yeah. But I I think being on the path that you and I are on, which is like waking ourselves up and becoming, you know, following the brave method and like becoming. More brave and more authentically ourselves, we care less what people think. And this is yeah. the person who, like, spent all of her time thinking about what people and wondering about what people thought of her. And now I'm just like, I'm doing my thing, right? And so I think the reason I share that is because, like, it's so possible to go from this highly sensitive people pleaser, codependent people pleaser to. To being like, I what are the things that are important to me? right? This is my field of vision. this is these are the things that matter. and at the at the end of the day, or at the end of my life, I want to look back and say I didn't hide from that stuff because I was afraid of what someone else thought, right? Mm, like yeah. you with your daughters, right? I didn't do the thing because it was what society expected of me that I created a conversation I show people that they have a choice right I mean like you've done that so many times Heather you've made these really really brave choices and it's so freaking inspiring and I think like in the moment it's because we're anchored to something whether it's our kids or something where we go okay I'm setting an example okay I've got someone to answer to whether it's myself or someone else and it's like more important than the people who are on the outskirts judging me because guess what? I don't really hear much from them anymore.
1: Yes, <laughs> right? right, and good riddance, no <laughs> <Yes>, Novell. Exactly, <laughs> I love that, I absolutely love that, and I think that that's just a really honest uh, I would rather it's the it goes back to that you know, it's better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all. You would rather feel something. Even if that's something is hard in honoring Maeve and her legacy versus pretending that there is nothing to feel.
0: Right. And I'll also add that, like, pretty early on, we were very, whatever the right word is, I'm very thankful that we found out about some, like, a retreat center where we could go and process this with other people that had been through it and organizations that support you know, families like ours. And so because you go through something crazy, if your life gets flipped upside down, you're like, I'm the only one, right? And to then have kind of examples and um, camaraderie.
1: and so important. community. Right?
0: Yeah. 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 Normalcy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you what, we'll get those resources from you and we'll include them mm-hmm. in the show notes. If you're listening and you've experienced any kind of trauma like this, or you know somebody who is and you're looking for resources, um, Christine, you'll provide those for us.
0: Yes. For folks. I'd be happy to.
1: Absolutely. We're we're running out of time, and there's so much more that I want to talk to you about. But I want to hit on this because I think it's important. You have a very successful book out. Oh, thank you. Can you tell folks about the book? And I'd love to know, and I always love it when I have writers on the show, what made you decide to write it and what was your writing process oh my gosh okay so <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh writing a book at least for me was so confronting but I just decided I was gonna uh, yeah. do <laughs> it right <laughs> oh my gosh I decided I was gonna do it and I it had never been in my long-term plans or anything but I think just one day I realized oh yeah I've, I've, I've got a book in me I think I said that to a friend and then I, then I started thinking about, well, what's that book? And I started writing it when my now five-year-old was, like, an infant, which was ridiculous. I'm talking, like, four months old because, you know. Yeah, that's, that's pretty how-
1: ridiculous. It's pretty <laughs>
0: ridiculous, yeah. Uh, and it took me about a year because I had major uh, overwhelm about starting, right? So first I went away with the baby, and the husband to a cabin for a few days and just like binge wrote. And then every time I would try to sit down and be like, I'm going to write an hour a day or whatever. I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. So I finally just hired an editor and said, I need to get this thing done. And I am not going to get it done unless I have financial investment in the game. So it's going to be done by this date. I want to release by this date. Uh, tell me what you need. And that is
1: what lit my feet to get it done. I love that. That's how I work, too. Like, let's commit. Let's go all in. Give me some parameters and deadlines, and let's make it happen.
0: Right. And you do your best work at the last minute.
1: I do. You've heard me say that before. Yes. I do my best work at the last minute. I'm yes. not going to do anything in advance. It's just not really going to happen.
0: Let's just, let's just be honest and take the shame out of it, right? Yeah, so- Exactly. So yeah, I decided that this book was going to be. I was debating like memoir and uh, kind of instructional, and it's it's kind of a combination. I mean, it's more instructional. It's about how to replace your income and um, you know make six figures uh, online, right? Which is what I was helping my clients do at the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it the minute it came out, I'm like, oh, I want to change this, and I want to change this, and I and I haven't. <laughs>
1: I, think, I know that feeling, right? I'm doing final proof of my book right now, and I'm like, but I just want to rewrite this entire section. Like, yes, no. yeah, no, you don't.
0: <laughs> yes, no, the people are waiting, Heather. It has to come out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm proud that I wrote it. It's. I hear from people that it's helpful. I recorded an audiobook where I like sing and act ridiculous, like my musical theater days, and Love you know, it. it was just it it was something that. I I think I'll probably write another one it's not on the horizon for me right now but I yeah the whole process was my dad was an English major and he didn't pursue you know being a professor of English or writing and stuff because his dad said he couldn't support a family on that so he chose a path that made him miserable for a lot of years instead and so I think there's like right I know now he's working with me in his zone of genius. So we're healing all kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, I think there's some family healing history that, that happened. And, and I've always been a writer. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you've, you've published a lot more things than me. And you've got this big epic tome coming out. But that's, that's the story <laughs> not, of, of
1: it's my little book. not a tome. Book. You're going to scare people, Christy. Oh,
0: <laughs> I mean to say it in the epic sense.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody's book counts, and the, and the, it is a lot of hard work. It's a lot of dedication. What was your – how did you do the writing?
0: I first – I wrote a lot of it uh, handwritten in a journal. Oh, wow. And then I typed it up as the first edit. Holy hell. <laughs> That's a lot of work. I, well, it's because I, I think better that way. Yeah. I, because with this cursor, I stop and start myself, stop and stop, I, self-edit, I get, I get didn't that. write. Next time, though, next time, what I've decided is I'm going to just record conversations. Yeah, right.
1: That's what I did. I record myself talking. Yeah, and transcribe. Yeah. beautiful. Proof yeah. that it can be done. Proof that it can be done. because I'm like you. A blank page in a, in a cursor is panic attacks. Like a- Yeah,
0: not going to (laughs) happen. Like, ah, somebody give
1: me something to start with. Yes. And of course, most of us, if we're writing books, we already have something to start with. We just need some help in figuring out where that stuff already is. How do we pull it? How do we get started? Because we're not really starting from zero, of course. Right. I love that. So that feels like a really good transition into asking how you like to celebrate.
0: Oh, Mm. how do I like to celebrate a really good... Meal. Yeah. A
1: really good What's meal. What's your favorite good meal?
0: Oh, my mouth is going to water about some <laughs> lobster with drawn butter, oh, yes. some crab in a jar. That's like a famous thing at one of the restaurants here with with warm drawn French
1: butter. Mm, that so sounds amazing. We're
0: landlocked, right? So, you know, I, I can cook, not that I enjoy it, but I can. And uh, I like when I go out to eat something that I am. I can't or am unwilling to, you know, cook, and so the, often that winds up being like high-quality seafood because, yeah, it's hard to cook at home. And hey, here we—it's hard to get good stuff. So, oh, butter, butter, and shrimp, and I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess it's shellfish, Heather. Now that shellfish, I'm saying this, all yeah. the shellfish.
1: <laughs> yes, I love that. I love it. That sounds yummy to me, and I love all the different ways to celebrate. Celebration is. Um, it's a lost art, yes. and it's a proven method for increasing joy and happiness and motivation. Yes!
0: So, What's your favorite way to celebrate?
1: Yeah, usually it's a dance party. So <gasps> people who listen to all this know that. I, it's pink, raise your glass, we'll, we'll go on. When I send final mm. edit, send, put this book in to publishing... I will have an epic dance party. Uh, But I like to celebrate the little moments. It's really important to me. Um, Mm. Get up and take a walk or Mm. a piece of chocolate. Uh, Mm. Sometimes I do a, you know, I don't sports ball, but like a touchdown dance kind of thing. You know, I like to put physical motion with my celebration. I love that. (laughs) It's like at the completion of a cycle. That's that's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, so... I'm actually really curious to hear your answer. I always end the episodes by asking my guest what their favorite charitable organization is to support. And I'm, I would love to hear yours.
0: Mm. Oh,
1: gosh. Yes, I know. I've been thinking about this because
0: this is honestly a huge driver for me. Like, I would really love to become uh, what has been called a reverse tither where you give away 90% of what you earn and you live on 10
1: I love that.
0: Obviously, it requires a a few more zeros, right? (laughs) (laughs) With kids to raise and whatnot. Uh, And, okay, so the frame is I love supporting organizations that lift up and empower um, women and children. And ever since I was little, I have, like, had this mission to help women and children in developing countries. Like, apparently I emptied my piggy bank and was like, hey, send this all to this NGO when I was little. I don't remember that. But I'm told. And so I, one of, one of the,
1: can I give two? Or is that, ah, oh, would that be too hard? I think give You one. can give can two, give but only one will be our charity of the week.
0: Okay. All right. So there's a charity called Unlikely Heroes. And their mission is to rescue kids who've been trafficked and, like, come with a trauma-informed approach into a safe house to rehabilitate them and help them have a happy life. And I found out about them right around Maeve's birthday two years ago through the actor Jake Johnson, who played... uh, He's played lots of things, but I knew him from New Girl, and he was sharing on... Instagram about how you know he's wearing this T-shirt and you could support and da da, da, da. and so I made a donation in honor of of Mave and he and I wound up having a little DM exchange because I had shared it on my stories and he reshared it to his and it was like the only story on his stories for like 24 hours and my girlfriends were freaking out right and it was a whole thing right and then I got to share with him like why I had done that and. And then I looked into them and their financials and, and, you know, what they do and where. And I just was like, this is a very – it's a small, like, very heartfelt organization um, that I have now, like, become, you know, uh, one of their – I don't know what you call it. Like, their inner circle club donors because Love I just that. believe so much in what they do.
1: Ambassadors.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I
0: am um, I, – one of my greater missions, right, is to, like, save – um as many prevent as many preventable childhood deaths as I can and also right to help help you know these kids who weren't given they're alive but they weren't given a chance at life to to have one and so it just feels like a really really tangible way to be able to do that
1: I love that that sounds like an amazing organization did you want to share the second one Uh, you know what? Let's just leave it at that. That All right, we'll leave it at that. So, they'll be our charity of the week. We'll have links up on the website with our show notes so you guys can learn more about them. And just as I ask you all, listeners, every single week, just do what you can get to know them, share, know that they exist so that when an opportunity arises uh, for you to tell somebody else about it, you can do that. You can show support in lots and lots of different ways. Oh, my goodness. Christine, I love you and I love your energy and, um, just your heart and your honesty and your zero fucks given. <laughs> it's been so much fun. Will you share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Resilient, genuine, passionate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> How that feel? That's cool. Right? Those Whew. words describe you.
0: Thank you. I receive. I just got some chills and a hot flash all at once.
1: <laughs> and also welcome to 40s. Zero fog but also hot flashes. So. <gasps>
0: Although Ice you bath. may
1: not be in your 40s yet, are you? You're uh, two months,
0: me. baby. Two
1: months I'll be 40. Okay. You're almost there. Yep. It's like an un- It's like you-, you just become unleashed. I can't wait to celebrate with you. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your heart story with us, so for sharing Maeve with us. Um, And it's just a pleasure to watch how you create from this place of honesty and authenticity and vulnerability and passion and resilience. And I'm really glad you're my friend. Thank you for being here.
0: Me too, Heather. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. I love you and your community. and I'm just grateful to be a part of it.
1: Thanks so much, friend. All right, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and that it resonated with you. I want to hear what you think. You can send me an email at heather at It actually comes directly to me and I will check it and respond personally. You can ask other listeners. I respond to every single message that comes through. I hope that no matter what happens today or tomorrow between now and when we next connect I hope that you're looking for the opportunities to choose brave over fear because you can do hard things I'm here with you we're doing it together this is Heather Vickery reminding you today and every day to go out and choose bravely see you next week Hey, friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm, Over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via ww.vickoryinco dot slash Libro Fm. That's Vickoryinco.com slash L I B R O F M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now check what I just said there. You're gonna get a free book. And the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author, and it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm the same audiobooks the same price but a completely different story check them out right now at slash librofm have you ever thought about starting a podcast maybe you've had this thought and then quickly shut it down because who has the time or you don't know how or gosh it just all seems too hard if you have something to share with the world, we want to encourage you to get your message out. The world needs to hear it. Did you know that 50% of all homes are podcast fans? If you've ever wondered about having your own podcast or how it can increase your business or get your message across, then please join me and the other experts from the Podcast Power Academy for our monthly free Q&A session. It's called so you want to start a podcast? This casual live conversation will help you understand how podcasting can be a great decision, why now is the best time to get started, and how to get into action with it. Visit podcastpoweracademy.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes and full episode transcripts, or to get some great bonus content, visit the Bravefilespodcast.com. And we would love to know what you think of the show. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing Bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery and Co-Success Coaching coaching that helps you maintain a life well lived and a business well run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom delivered soundtracks. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to everyone on Team Brave from our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. Special thanks to Molly, Mary, Kim, Sabra, and Sabrina. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.